Hello, you're listening to this month's edition of In On The Act with Sarah Jackman. Today, I'm joined by Michael Ranson, Barrister of Falcon Chambers, to discuss the Charities Act 2022. The Act is due to come into force in three stages, with the changes relating to the disposal of charity land due to be implemented this spring. Michael, thank you so much for joining me today to discuss the new Act. Um, I guess a good starting point would be to outline for our listeners today what the legislation is designed to do. Yeah, I think that's a really useful starting point because the Charities Act legislation is a bit terrifying for landlord practitioners. But essentially, the starting point is that maybe a bit counterintuitively, legislation is almost exclusively aimed at dealing with the disposal of charity land and not the buying of land by charities. So you could put it another way, the legislation is really all about how what we call non-exempt charities realise the value of their assets and not how those non-exempt charities go spending their money. So that's really the kind of the landscape that we're looking at with the, the Charities Act and, and land. So I guess in a sense then, to what extent do you think the legislation will be good for public confidence in charities and I guess give possibly the, the reassurance to charity trustees that, that they're getting value in, in terms of their disposals of land? Yeah, undoubtedly the, the purpose of this legislation, and I think it works pretty well, is as you say, it's firstly to give the public confidence that when a charity sells its land, it's doing so on good terms, arguably on the best terms. And that filters through to giving trustees of charities, lots of whom are individuals who do this out of the goodness of their heart rather than being professionals, it gives those trustees a nice framework to give them comfort that they're going about their disposals in a, in a proper way. So, you know, it's really hard to do the kind of counterfactual of what would be happening if we didn't have this legislation. But I think the, the current regime works pretty well in achieving those two aims. One of the definitions in the new Act is this definition of exempt and non-exempt charities. Why does that matter for the purposes of the legislation? Yeah, and this is why, as a, as a property lawyer, the Charities Act is such a such a minefield because the whole piece is littered with these these expressions, and non-exempt is a really important one. Oddly, non-exempt charity is not a phrase which appears in the Charities Act 2011. But it is used by the land registry, it is used by land registration rules, and the key provisions that we're dealing with here apply to non-exempt charities rather than exempt charities. And really what listeners to the podcast need to take away is that the vast majority of charities are non-exempt. And that's because an exempt charity is normally something which is supervised by a government department or some other kind of public authority and therefore have a different kind of relationship with the regulator, the charity commission. And so there's loads of interesting detail about what happens if you've got a exempt charity, which is a trustee of a non-exempt charity. But all of that is really too much information for today. What I'd encourage listeners to do is to start from the assumption that the legislation is mainly concerned with non-exempt charities 
and most charities are non-exempt charities. The new Act is a response to a Law Commission report which sought to simplify the charities administration process. What were the concerns picked up in that report? Are you able to detail them a little bit for our listeners? Yeah, so this is a, a Law Commission project which began almost a decade ago. They, they started doing work in 2014 and this led to the, the scintillatingly titled Technical Issues in Charity Law report, uh, which was three years later in 2017. Listeners will be unsurprised to hear there's a huge amount of technical detail in the technical issues in charity law report. But for our purposes, what the Law Commission was acutely aware of is that there's about 167,000 charities in England and Wales that are registered with the Charity Commission. And between them, they've got an, an annual income combined of over £74 billion. But of course, lots of these charities are small, and the Law Commission's public consultation for its report showed that loads of these charities struggle with technical issues of charity law, and in particular, as we've kind of alluded to already, technical issues to do with land and charities law. So the real effect of the reforms that was hoped for was to simplify the law so as to save charities time, and to save charities money. And the Law Commission estimates that in relation to the technicalities of dealing with land, these reforms could save something in the region of £2.8 million a year. So that's a kind of real world saving as a result of this technical report. Yeah. One thing we should touch on before we perhaps go on to explore some of the detail of the 2022 Act is really the previous Act, so the 2011 Act. Tell us a little bit about that Act and and the process really that was in place in relation to land there. Yeah, it's almost impossible to understand the 2022 Charities Act without having a bit of a grounding in the current legislation, the 2011 Act. And we're concerned with a really quite small number of provisions in that Act. It's really sections 117 through to, let's say, 122. So a really densely packed little set of statutory provisions. But they start out in section 117 with what looks like a more or less absolute prohibition on charities selling or leasing their land. And it says, in effect, you can't do that unless you've got an order of the court or an order from the Charity Commission. But of course, that would be a, a crazy position, which would make it almost impossible for charities to really work with their land. And so then we have two provisions, one of which I'll go through in a bit of detail so listeners understand what it is that's being changed. We have a provision at 119, which deals with disposals of land in general. And we have a separate provision in 120, which deals with short leases, leases of seven years or less. And just in the interest of completeness, in a section 124 of the 2011 Act, there are various provisions to do with mortgages, which I, I won't go into today. So these, these provisions are to deal with the disposal of land by charities. And the most important for today is this section 119 procedure. And what it says is, if you're a charity, and you want to get around the absolute prohibition in section 117, then you need to do three things. You've got to get a 
written report about the proposed disposition from a qualified surveyor who's instructed by the charity's trustees and is acting exclusively for the charity. You then got to advertise that proposed disposition in a way, in effect, which is the way recommended by the surveyor's report, which you've obtained. And then the trustees need to, in effect, step back and decide that they're satisfied, having looked at the advice they've received, that the terms of the disposition are the best that they can reasonably obtain for the charity. And then all of that, those three things, the advice, the marketing and the consideration of the advice get boiled down into a certificate, which the trustees have to give in order to enter into the disposition. Now, just one other point about the, the current regime, which is really important for listeners to understand is out there, is to do with a concept of connected persons. Now, this statutory definition of connected persons, I would never try and commit to memory. All I would do is realise that there are really intricate rules out there about connected persons. And every time I'm acting for a charity, I want to remind myself precisely how those work, because there are different rules to do with what you're dealing with a connected person. But that's kind of sketch of how the current regime works, in particular as regards getting around the, the absolute prohibition. Tell us then a little bit about the interrelationship between the 2021 Act and the 2022 Act. How are things going to be changing and, and crucially, what do practitioners need to be aware of? Yeah, so just as in the 2011 Act, we're dealing with a relatively short little bundle of sections, but the same is true of this new legislation, so the Charities Act 2022. And in relation to charities and land, what listeners will want to look at are sections 17 to 23. Now, as you said, this new legislation got royal assent last year. Some parts of it have come into force. These, these provisions we're about to talk about haven't yet come into force. But a kind of overview of what they do is as follows. Section 17, the first one, makes some tweaks to that general prohibition that I mentioned, the Section 117 prohibition. And essentially, these tweaks are designed to make it easier to deal with land which is co-owned by charities. And so where practitioners are dealing with land where, say, a charity is a joint owner, they may want to look to see whether the 2022 Act makes it easier to deal with that land because it may no longer fall within the, the global prohibition. And similarly, next section of the 2022 Act, Section 18, makes some sensible amendments to the rules to do with situations in which one's dealing with a liquidator, a receiver, an administrator, that kind of third party. Now, again, these are going to be really important for practitioners who happen to be dealing with charity land where somebody like a liquidator or a receiver is involved. But I think in reality, that's going to, one would hope, be few and far between. So useful, sensible reform, but maybe not earth chattering for practitioners in this area. Now, I'm going to go from section 18. I'm going to jump to the penultimate section, section 22, because I want to come back to section 19 to 21, because they're, in my view, the most important. So section 22, in this aim of simplifying things, 
takes the definition of connected person and arguably makes it a bit more complicated still. But if one picks apart what Section 22 is trying to do, it is trying to make it easier for charities to grant short-term tenancies to their employees. So I, I really would encourage listeners not to try and commit to memory what connected persons are in these two statutes. But it is worth bearing in mind that one effect of this legislation is to make it easier for a charity to grant a tenancy to one of its employees. And that I think is a situation which one encounters really quite a lot. So I think it's going to be quite a welcome reform. And the final section, if one goes through this in, in number order, section 23, is to do with this certificate that I mentioned, where the, uh, where the charity trustees have to put their neck on the line and say that they, they've complied with the rules. It, in some ways, it makes almost no difference to the form of the statement that has to be given, but it does clarify the types of instrument in which the statement needs to appear. And so it's going to now have to appear in contracts as well as transfers or leases. And so that means that in some ways it's going to be easier for practitioners because the requirements are the same both on exchange and completion. So that's a good, that's a good change. And it also closes off what is a slightly crazy loophole, which is where arguably a charity could try to avoid having to complete a contract because it hadn't complied with its statutory requirements. So it's the case involving a memorable party called the Women's Total Abstinence Educational Union. That's a case from 2003, but this legislation is trying to close a, a slightly nasty, peculiar loophole, which emerged from the way that the 2011 Act worked. All of that, frankly, I think we could kind of say is, is plumbing. You know, it's useful, it's important, technical detail, but I don't think anything I've mentioned so far is going to radically change how practitioners operate in this area. Sections 19, 20 and 21 of the new Act, I think, are much more radical and important. And I think it's, it's the real meat of the reforms in terms of what the Law Commission wanted to achieve. And there are three key changes that I want to flag. The first is that listeners will remember I talked about the need to advertise proposed dispositions. The 2022 Act gets rid of the advertising requirement altogether. Now that's a really big change and I think it's going to make it obviously cheaper but more importantly I think it's going to make it much quicker to dispose of charity land. It takes a great big third-party hurdle out of the way. So that's the first big change from 2022 Act. Practitioners who deal in this area will be very familiar with the need to advertise and that need is going away. It's also going to allow a broader range of people to provide the advice that the trustees have to take. The law is not getting rid of the need to take advice, but a broader range of people are going to be able to give that advice. And so if there are any listeners who are fellows of the National Association of Estate Agents or the Central Association of Agricultural Valuers, then this is good news for them because they are now going to be within the range of people who can provide advice under the charities legislation to trustees. The third big change is that whilst previously the person providing the advice had to be independent, 
when this new law comes into force, suitably qualified people who work at the charity are going to be allowed to provide the advice. So they'll be able to do, charities will be able to do it in-house if they have the expertise. Now, I'm conscious that that may not be great news for firms who've traditionally provided this advice, because it now may look like perhaps that work is going to be taken away from the external market and done in-house. But I, I think it remains to be seen, of those 167,000 charities, how many of them really have the expertise in-house? Perhaps the very largest charities will, but I think maybe most charities are still going to need to look outside of their employees in order to get this advice. But it will, it will be a big change for people who have provided advice externally to very large charities who have an in-house surveying and valuation capacity. So that's a kind of canter through those sections of the 2022 Act, which, which deal with charities and, and land. I guess my next question then, thinking about those specific sections, I mean, what's your sense of the effect that the 2022 Act will have? I mean, will it have the desired effect in terms of simplifying and, and making easier some of those those laws which the Law Commission reported on in, in its report? I think it's a really interesting question and one which obviously time will tell, but it's quite hard to escape the idea that what's happening with the 2022 Act is there is tinkering with already quite complicated and fiddly legislation with the aim of making the overall process simpler. And really, I think it is likely to end up being the case once people have got used to the reforms in the new legislation that it will make the process easier. I do think, however, that for practitioners, be they lawyers or valuers who deal with this, it's going to involve a period of disruption where what they saw as being settled law is a bit more difficult to implement. They may need to stand back and think about what they need to do to comply in a way that they haven't in the past. So ultimately, I think these are relatively minor reforms which should make the process smoother and a bit quicker and a bit cheaper. But I think there's quite a lot for practitioners to keep, keep tabs on here. And of course, they're still going to need to know their way around the 2011 Act. Somebody who qualifies in 2023 is not going to be able just to look at the 2022 legislation in order to understand how this works. That 2011 legislation remains the foundation with the new Act simply making tweaks to how it's operated for the last 12 years or so. In terms of timing, we know that some of the Act is already in force. We have a an indication that the property elements will be coming into force in spring 2023. Is there any more precise update in terms of timing or is it a question of just keeping an eye on things for an announcement? Yeah, I'm afraid the government is still simply saying spring 2023 and that's been their line since November of last year. So I think the, the best that people can do is keep their ears and eyes open for details of when it's coming into force. But I'm afraid I've, I've no intelligence to give them on that today. Michael, thank you so much for giving us that overview of the Act. That was incredibly clear and I think could give us practitioners a, a really good flavour of what's in store. Thank you for your time. That was in on the Act from EG with Sarah Jackman.
for previous episodes, see the archive at popbean.com. And for more information on the Charities Act 2022, the EGI archive at egi.co.uk.